For player profiles, in-depth features, and exclusive interviews, visit sfhandbook.com to learn more about the best young football players in the world. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Scouted Football Podcast. Uh, if this is your first time listening to the podcast uh, and you like what you hear, uh, please have a dig through our back catalogue as I'm sure there will be another club, country or league specific episode which you'll hopefully find interesting and entertaining. Um, if you're feeling extra generous at the end of this episode, whether that be as a long-time listener or Scouted Pod newbie, uh, please consider leaving us a five-star review on whichever pod platform you use to listen. Uh, it's very much appreciated and helps us reach more youth football aficionados the world over. Uh, this week, I'm joined by a man who knows a thing or two about football, uh, and in particular, Olympique Lyonnais. Uh, Lyon are one of the most successful and storied clubs in Liga, uh, particularly over the past 30 years, and their academy continues to pump out promising young player after promising young player, uh, just as it has done for decades. Uh, we'll be exploring previous oil generations as well as assessing the current crop a little bit closer. Uh, but without further ado, Alex Collings is with me. Alex, how are things? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Um, it's it's looking like a pretty bleak global situation again with with how things are, are going with with COVID and and that sort of thing. But yeah, hopefully we'll we'll see some football played as long as it's safe to do so over over the Christmas period. Without further ado, then, um, just thought it would be good to, to sort of introduce you to to uh, the, the pod listeners. I know you're a listener yourself, um, but you've also you know contributed to Scouted uh, in other capacities before. Um, you're you're a fan of of OL. Uh, you do you know scouting with with Africon and and you recently launched the, the football per ninety pod. You know you're you're very much um, you're very much a man with, with 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 considerable knowledge on on this topic in particular, but but in in football in general, I think. Yeah, um, looking forward to basically this is my main sort of source. This and Arsenal, so looking forward to yeah to chatting. Um, Leon, I don't often get to do so. Yeah, so I suppose it's probably best to, to begin with with sort of a brief history of, of the club, um, and they have a, a they have a pretty distinguished reputation for for producing young players. Um, you know, there've been various homegrown generations uh, and you know the the nickname is Les Hones who, which translates as as the kids as, as you'll know um, they've got considerable considerable uh, alumni that, that have gone on to to do some really really good things in in European football you know the you, you have the beginning with sort of Sidney Govu, Karim Benzema, Hatem Benafa, Corentin Tolisso, uh, Nabil Fakir, Anthony Martial, Alex Lacazette you know just some of the players that have come through uh, at Lyon um, you know, whether that be in the 2007 to 2009 Benzema era or sort of the, the golden age between 2014 and 2017. Um, but in terms of sort of the, the recent history and the current state of affairs, uh, Alex, you know, you've got the, the ownership, the, the manager, you know, um, obviously Peter Bos is, is, is in charge, former uh, Bayer Leverkusen manager. Uh, but at the top, uh, you have Jean-Michel Olas. Uh, who is uh, he's an interesting character. I think just this morning um, he's been handed a five-game ban with an additional five-game suspended ban. Um, he's yeah, he's he's fairly outspoken, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's not afraid of any controversy um, or speaking out about uh, basically speaking his mind. So I'm not surprised. I, that's news to me. I've just woken up, so so yeah. <laughs> but I'm not surprised he's got a five-game ban. 
Yeah, it was something which I literally saw about three minutes before we started recording. I probably should have mentioned before we started recording, but it completely slipped my mind until I saw his his name again here. But um, yeah, I mean, since he since he bought the club, the club uh, OL have have had you know relative success over the past few years, but particularly in the early two thousands when they won seven uh, Liga titles in a row between two thousand and one and two thousand and eight. They've they've also uh, got a you know an exceedingly successful feminine side um that would be ol feminine uh, the, the the ladies team um and you know olas has as you know he's i don't want to say bankrolled but you know he he has funded the, the the relative success of this club which was only founded sort of midway through the um midway through the 20th century yeah no he's he's i think overall he's been a very very good um positive impact of the club i mean he's the reason that we had those that dominant period in the 2000s um and especially he's also a big reason that um ol feminine is so is such a powerhouse in in football so he's been i think up until recent years he's been a massive positive um force on the club Hmm, definitely um i I suppose it makes sense to to get into sort of the, the scouting side of things this being the scout football podcast and all but you know the I think it's fair to say that because you know the, the academy is not simply producing these elite players just from the 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 region where Lyon is in in France. You know they've got a a fantastic scouting team at, at youth level, um, and and it's it's sort of it's it reflects sort of what you'd perhaps see at you know the the senior level of scouting at other clubs. You know is the is is there something that there's in particular about OL scouts that that make them so good at identifying talent across France? Um, so yeah, at youth level, there are a number of different things that kind of make us so good at scouting at that level. Um, at first of all, it is just a great scouting team. Um, and they particularly sort of focus in the Lyon and, um, Paris regions. Then we've also established local partnerships with most of the teams in the region. Um, and then, yeah, then when it comes to training the actual players, they have a very coherent, um, sort of strategy that goes from literally the under 10s right up to the senior team, sort of based on the uh, Barca or Ajax sort of models of coaching, I think, which is also why there's such a emphasis on technical or technical development. And then, yeah, besides that, I think they have good deals with, with um, other teams in the regions um, and the league two teams in terms of being able to, sort of see their players that they can kind of recruit them in that middle sort of teenage years um, stage. And then, yeah, I think another big part of it is that apparently everyone, uh, OL feminine, OL masculine, and and the youth teams often train on the same pitches. So there's sort of this clear coaching overview that stretches right from the big, right, right from the sort of like, let's say under 19s um, into the senior side, both senior sides. Yeah, it seems like a, it's a very holistic sort of all-encompassing approach um, throughout the club. Um, so, you know, from some sort of uh, the vantage point that I've got of it, um, it's always seemed as though it's it's a club which which you know very much focuses on the development of of young players as well as the success of the of the first teams. Um, and and like you're saying there, we're having those established partnerships with with local clubs in in the region, obviously in the sort of the the, the southeast of, of France, where where Lyon is, is is located, but also in Paris, which I think as a French club with with a budget like Lyon, you can't be neglecting the diaspora of of young footballers or young potential footballers that that are in 
um you know male and female in 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 paris because it's it is just a hotbed of 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 technical players of of fantastic footballing talent in that in that ile de france region so um it is yeah i i, I do th- it was kind of what i was expecting you to say really um in terms of what makes the the scouting and and the sort of the the player recruitment so good before you even get anywhere near that first team level um you know the the the, the following those ajax and, and barcelona models i think you know taking uh, examples from from successful projects elsewhere is always going to or should always pay dividends if you have the the right people in place um but in in terms of sort of the the manager of the the men's first team at the moment peter boss um uh he's he's obviously a, a dutchman he's been at the likes of uh, he's a dutchman he's been at the likes of leverkusen dortmund ajax um and now finds himself at, at ol he, he's in my experience, he's he's been a, a divisive manager when it comes sort of like tactically and and with with sort of his his ideals. Um, and there are definitely weak points to his to his managerial game. But um, you know, th- this season obviously isn't going as swimmingly as as Ol might have might have wanted. But what is the general consensus around around Boss at at, at the Group Armour Stadium? So I think there's been quite a bit of patience with him. Personally, I was a big fan when he came in. Um, maybe purely for the fact that we've had a lot of we haven't had a very exciting list of coaches in terms of tactical ideas I mean Rudy Garcia's a competent coach but not not a very interesting style of football um Genesio before that uh but more exciting in terms of his approach but they there a lot of the fundamentals weren't there so I think um I think there was a lot of optimism he's also our first He's our first non-French coach since like the 80s, if I'm right. Um, so there was quite a lot of optimism. It kind of, it signaled a new dawn for us. So I think there's been quite a bit of patience with him that is maybe now starting to, the people are getting a bit antsy um, and a bit, yeah, a bit tired of how we're struggling just to basically close out games defensively. Um, and yeah, I think it's basically, our, our, there's no... There's not too many problems with how we're going forward, but it's it's out of possession that I think he's starting to get quite a lot of criticism. And fair enough, to be honest. Yeah, it, that that's always seemed to be the case. It was that you know the the boss's teams will dominate the ball uh, and they'll dominate it well. I think you know when while he was at Leverkusen, the the passing statistics that that Jonathan Tarr was was putting up from centre back were ridiculous. But it was mainly because the ball was just constantly being cycled around the back. Um, you know, it's it, it does seem to be one of the you know, one of the the weaker points to to his managerial game is that without the ball, his teams are, are considerably less effective, and and especially in sort of recent fixtures that I've seen, uh, I think it was the 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 draw with with Bordeaux uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, they just seem to be so sort of you know permeable on the break. You know, this seemed to be you know the structure was was kind of while pushing for for a for a winner or to to extend the lead. Um, it just seemed to be a bit. I don't want to say ramshackle to to be too too harsh on on it on the man, but um, you know the 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 especially Bordeaux's second goal where I think uh, they just steam through the middle, and you think why is there what where is the structure first and foremost, and then what is the structure? Um, it, yeah, it's, it's incredibly it's incredibly um, frustrating to actually have to watch that, especially since we have the sort of midfielders who have the capacity to get back then, guys like Bruno and Kakare. So yeah, right, yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, 
<laughs> it's been it's been frustrating to watch. When, when it looks good, it looks good. But yeah, I think I think pressure is coming on on down on him now. Um, Olus kind of spoke about how they still have full belief in him, as you would say, but that if results don't improve soon, then then they they won't be. Which kind of points out there's not full confidence in in him at the moment. So yeah, I think I think it's kind of getting to a crunch period already for for Boss, which is really sad for for Lyon from a from an outlook of where the club's going. Because I'm kind of scared if he if he fails here, then Olus goes back into his sort of French only, um, very sort of more traditional um, approach to running the club. Whereas for all Juninho's faults, I think him trying to actually bring more of a data and you know, tactical sort of going from outside of France and going for influences from outside of France has been a good, a good way to try keep this club keeping up with the other clubs that are, that are moving ahead of us. Yeah, the dreaded vote of confidence followed by a but in the same sentence. It's yeah, it's not, yeah, it's it's not what you want to hear as a manager, <laughs> really, is it? Um, and yeah, I mean, you say that the Jean Michel Olas may go back to. Uh, to, to his his previous way of thinking um and just i'm just putting two and two together here i don't mean to to to, to make you worry unnecessarily but claude puel is now available having been sacked by san Etienne. so you know i don't i don't want to say that's going to happen but um you know <laughs> nobody wants to see that happen yeah really. after after what happened with adilo shish at san Etienne, geez i do not want to see that happen but um <laughs> Yeah, I think it's probably best if we we actually discuss some of the the young players at, at OL this season because that has been one of the I mean certainly from our perspective um, one of the the brighter sparks or the brighter points um, of 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 the season and and of the club in general because it follows a, a trend it follows a pattern um, that these that, that this club have have, have tread for for many many years um, and I was sort of doing doing some some research before the the final group uh, before the final group games of the, um, the the Europa League and it was that the OL have, uh, had had used uh, six teenagers in the group stage uh, but also done really well in that in that group uh, which included Glasgow Rangers um, and 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 topped the group. Uh, and the uh, six teenagers was, was two more, if I'm not mistaken, than the next most uh, teenagers used by uh, any other team in the competition. Uh, and there were quite a few sides who who did blood them, but it was the 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 responsibility that that Boss gave those youngsters. I mean, there was four or five who started in that last game week against Rangers. I knew, I know it was a dead rubber, but um, the previous week against Bromby, um, there were other previous game week against Bromby. Um, there were there were four or five in in the starting eleven again. You know, has that been a, a a common theme throughout this season, even in Liga? So yeah, I think that's absolutely been one of the positives of Boss after after um, Rudy Garcia, and and I really speaks. I mean, in the last in the last game was actually uh, Virgil's start. He's he's the right back, the the teenage right back that's younger than Malo Gusto, who I'm sure we're going to discuss later. And I think. Yeah, just the fact that we played them when when we didn't really need to. Both Gusto and Dubois, our first choice right back, were on the bench. Kind of points to how willing Boss is to play um to play the to play the kids as long as they kind of fit into his sort of demands of what he wants from them in the team. So that's been a that's been an aspect I've been very very happy to see, and it has definitely trans translated or yeah, it's been reflected in the league as well. Um, guys, look, look, Lukeba, Habib Keita, 
I've got lots of chances. Um, yeah. And Gusto, of course. Yeah, we discussed um, Malo Gusto on, on this podcast right at the beginning of the season with um, with, with Ali Madden from the Road to Nowhere uh, football podcast. Uh, and he was saying that, that Gusto, depending on what happened with Dubois, might see some some minutes this season. And, and he has done. And I'm, I'm quite pleased with that um, because... While there have been games such as that that Bordeaux one, as as luck would have it, where where he hasn't been great, there've been others where you know a two thousand and three born fullback playing in a top five league regularly um, hasn't looked like looked like that. He's he's looked a lot more assured. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned there, you know you've got the likes of Malagusto, Sinali Diomande, um, Castello Luqueba, uh, and and then the the more mainstream names. I think it's fair to say you know your Maxons Kakare, um, you know Husemawa. Uh, Ryan Shaki, um, you know they they are the ones who I mean first of all one of them is on on a scouted football front cover volume eleven, um, <laughs> but also uh, you know they're, they're they're you know Hussein has been linked with Arsenal for it seems like the past decade and you know you you've also got you know Maxence Kakare who's who's done well in the Champions League in previous seasons, um, so there there is a good under twenty three crop here a very healthy you know young element to this team uh, as well as you know your your more established senior players out, out of those those young players in, including the likes of Vogel who is 2004 born I believe which is you know sending my head in a tailspin um who who do you who do you like watching for for well this season you know has, has there been one in particular that's that stood out it doesn't have to be the most obvious one but um because I'm sure we'll get on to that at some point um, so in terms of my favorite player, it has to be Kakare. Um, I've been a massive fan of his since before he even played for the first team. Um, I know he's maybe the most boring choice alongside our, but yeah, he's just a fantastic player to watch. Um, incredible ball winner. Um, just in terms of his high energy, he's someone who I thought would fit Bosch down to a T and he has done to be fair. I think the, the tactical, the, our, what our leakiness isn't his, his fault. But yeah, he's just a fantastic player to watch. And I think maybe what I enjoy most about him is just how how vertical he is. He's always, when he's trying to receive, he's immediately looking to get the ball, to get the ball directly up, not trying to build it around. He's a good facilitator too. Um, yeah, and I think it's also, it's been great to watch his development. When he first came onto the scene, uh, he's always had that vertical aspect to his play, but a lot of it was just, giving and receiving there wasn't much carrying in his game which is something that I think he needed to kind of add and yeah over the last two seasons that that's become a big part now he's very good at at carrying through through tight areas and then putting the ball forward again so yeah yeah Kakare is just so active isn't he you know he's just you know the, the pressures that he puts in every week is, is just immense and you think that he's going to be somebody who who who, who definitely pleases uh, Peter Boss uh, when it comes to that sort of thing um I mean it's also not as though this is a weak midfield that that he's you know he's he's playing in despite being very young, um, because he's the best and you know the the rest of the team are just insufficient. You know you've also got I mean up until recently in a positional change Lucas Paqueta, uh, Bruno Guimaraes, you know Husemawa who we've discussed previously. You know there are also some some very distinguished and established players in in that position, but but Kakare is, is in there on merit. I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, it's the, the the spread of talent is is immense, um, and it then it does lead you back to the question of well, how are they not doing better than they than they are? Or why are they not doing as well as they should be? But um, yeah, just in in terms of a, a player in general, you know, with with Maxence Kakare, you know, 
where do you see him you know how do you see him developing in future with, with OL you know because um obviously Liga is is or was until the beginning of this season one of Europe's top 5 leagues and he was obviously getting regular minutes how do you see his his future sort of panning out over the next few years so uh, it's actually funny you say that recently I was just thinking when with Rangnick coming into United I've got this terrible like idea that that he might be someone that they might actually go for because he sort of fits Rangnick's whole idea of you know winning the ball back in in 10 or winning the ball back in 8 and getting a shot off in 10 kind of perfectly but yeah I think I think he's the sort of player that fits so many different sort of with all the high pressing high energy teams um that's sort of the trend amongst dominant teams in Europe at the moment. I think, I think he's probably there's a good shot behind Shirky as our, our most valuable player, um, just in terms of where he can kind of slot in without needing to be the main man in midfield necessarily. So yeah, I think I think he's also pretty much at this point he's he's rounded out his game really superbly. Um, there's nothing that I feel that he needs to really improve on besides maybe becoming a bit better at actually dictating and controlling the play. But then again, I think there's also a reason to say that there's space for those players that are more just there to facilitate, especially in, in tighter areas, than than needing to dictate the players. The play. So in a, in a way, I think he's already kind of getting to the full package and now it's just about, um, you know, just about improving on what he's already really great at. Uh, so yeah, I think he's a player I'm particularly high on in terms of where he'll go. One one area maybe that he could improve is is presence in terms of um, in scoring, but I don't. That's the one area I, I never see him fully realizing. Yeah, and I suppose that's an area which you don't always need to develop when you're that type when you're that type of player in in other areas of the pitch. You know, if you are if you are a constructor and, and a destructor you don't always have to be a sort of a move creator, a, a move developer or sort of a, you know, a goal creator or, or a finisher. Um, you know, it's, it takes a lot to make a team sort of thing. Um, but you, you were saying there that, that Ryan Shirky is, is probably the the most valuable player or the, the player with most value to OL at the moment. Um, there's, and, and rightly so, I think there's a lot of hype around him at the moment. Um, you know, the past few seasons, he's definitely been on most youth football fans radars because you know he's been coming through the the OL academy and you know he's he, I mean you just see the things that he does with the ball you know where, even when it was in sort of his UEFA youth league days um you know the the stuff that was that was going on was just you know it, it was piss taken at times um and he still does it now uh, when he's playing senior football you know he hasn't had a run of games in Liga where he's had sort of consistent starts maybe five or six over a consistent period um, which is fine. You know, he's still 18, turning 19 next year, I believe. I think he's another 2003. Um, but he's just such an exciting player, isn't he? Um, so, yeah, Shirky's probably... He's the best talent I've seen coming through at Lyon and maybe the best 16-year-old I've I've watched at least in the last, let's say, five-plus years. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember basically one of his massive games that kind of put this idea that this is the best 16-year-old I've seen is, is his game versus not um, in the cup a couple of years back. And yeah, he scored two goals, got two assists pretty much around the entire game. He even won a penalty at the end um, and wanted to take it himself. But then Musa Dembele kind of pulled rank and missed, unfortunately. And I just remember even the confidence after the game with Shirky 
said that he would have put it away himself if he'd if he'd been allowed to take it. Yeah, it just kind of points to a guy who's insanely good on the ball and has has the confidence to to sort of back it up. Um, yeah, and I, I think besides just being ridiculously precocious and also very very fun to watch, it's, he's also a very interesting profile for for his type of sort of you know um, playmaker attacking forward sort of thing is that rather than being like you expect of most sort of players when you think of a precocious player at his age you think of someone who's kind of probably rapid or maybe a bit Adeyemi-esque right but he's actually kind of a tank um (laughs) shirky so see a lot of his players is really just I've seen him shrug off guys and I mean Ligue 1 is full of like tough midfielders and centre-backs and forwards to to deal with and I've seen him shrug Shrug off players twice his age, um, and it's it's one of the core things that he that he has that just adds to that insane technique ability to pass off both feet. Um, he's also a really really good uh, intelligent player. Kind of you kind of see him where he'll fail once against a player, then he kind of solves the problem, and then the next time he'll kind of find a way past them. So I think I think there's there's a lot to like about what Shirky has. Um, and yeah, depending, depending on how he develops physically, I guess the, the sky's really the limit there. Yeah. One of the things that stuck out to, in what you said there was just the, the sort of the, the control and the poise that he has, you know, obviously the technique is immense and anybody who is hearing about Ryan Shirky spelt C-H-E-R-K-I for the first time, um, today, who's gone off and, and just watched a few YouTube clips or something. The first thing that will become evident is that, that technique. Um, but the thing that, that I really like about it is, is his ability to just isolate defenders in, in those one-on-one situations. It's almost like he keeps them at, at an arm's length. You know, he'll just, he'll stand them up. Not too dissimilar to what Hatem Benafa used to do, actually. Um, not not comparing him to, to Benafa just yet, but, you know, just in a very self, self-assured, self-confident way of, you know, I'm going to keep going to keep moves ticking. We're just recycling passes inside, recycling them out wide until the moment where I identify that, in fact, this fullback or this central defender is, is you know, on, on the back foot or, or is, is wrong side or they're showing me down the side that I want to go down. And he'll just use that that quick burst to beat them. Um, and, you know, the, the rest is history when it comes to that technique. Um, you know, cutting onto his left, opening up that angle, um, you know, he, he can do that just as well as he can drive into the byline and, and, and cross into the, to the back post with his right. And I think having that, that diversity, especially in the type of player he is as, as an attacking player, so young is something which which is only going to stand him in good stead, and, and is the main reason why you know we're, we're looking at a player who has been has been hyped to to you know to the nines. Yeah, I mean, actually, it's interesting you speak about how he kind of gets past players. In, in the way I see it, is that it's actually not so much he doesn't have the burst of guys like that. I would compare him to Hudson Ben Offord for sure, and also maybe Eden Hazard. But what he what he has is he has a really nice sort of the way he's just so good at keeping the ball close to him. He almost kind of awaits for the defender to make the first commitment before trying to skip past them. So I think he's kind of he he's made up for that maybe lack of explosiveness that he has to other top top level talents. Um, we are just with that ability to keep the ball close, incredibly quick footwork, um, and just to get past players. Yeah, that that timing and control is just. It's 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 emblematic of a player who's a lot older than than eighteen. Yeah, hundred percent. I think he's 
He's also an incredibly good decision maker. I think what you kind of see, with, as you see with most sort of players, as they get to this sort of phase of development, is he's got a little bit more selfish. So maybe sometimes is taking the shot on when he should be making the pass, but it's it's not mm-hmm. something to really worry about because I think he's just trying to up his own sort of goal up, which was something that. I mean, it, it sounds weird to to give that as a constructive criticism to like a player at 17, but that he probably needed to work on for the season. But yeah, I mean, he's also, he was showing at 16, that's, that I go back to that Nantes game, just the decision-making is incredible to watch. And when you, map, when you pair it with that sort of technique, especially, I mean, I think my favorite part about him might be his passing technique with just how he can bend balls around the corner with, you know, the, the, the slightest of, of back, lift it's it off both feet as well um yeah actually on that point it kind of it's one of the things that I'd be interested to see where his future kind of lies because he does lack that and I don't I don't see him develop I I think he's he's pretty physically developed as he has been not to say there could be a chance that he develops a bit more but I kind of think he's kind of reached where he is physically so there is there is some reason to say that maybe he might be better in the center. And I'd actually really, really like to see him. He's one of the few guys I can think that can play a proper 10 role. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, and especially considering just how good he is off both feet. Yeah. I'd actually really like to see him move inwards. And I think that could be where his highest potential is going forwards. Yeah. He does keep things ticking, doesn't he? Sort of in, in when he does move into those central spaces, um, he's, he's, he seems just like what I said in terms of him sort of keeping, uh, keeping your players at an arm's length, you know, he knows that he has the wherewithal to go past them if, you know, if, if that be through his timing or his decision making. So he, he knows that he can just nonchalantly just play, place passes sideways, play play them into his teammates, drift into space. Um, yeah, I think he's he's a very self-assured player, very, very talented indeed. Um, I mean, a lot of people are probably sick to death of hearing Hussam Awa's name particularly Arsenal fans, because that seems to be a transport <laughs> saga. I mean, you, you especially, Alex. Um, but that's been sort of a, a transfer saga, so to speak, um, over over many years now, many transfer windows at the very least. Um, but I mean, just this season in general, sort of transfer speculation aside and, and all that jazz, you know, how, how, is, how has Awa been, been for OL this year? I mean, obviously lying 13th in, in Liga is not great, but obviously topping the Europa League group what's this season been like so i think i think it's probably best to start like last season wasn't wasn't his best i think i think it, he gets a bit harshly criticized for it because he started off so badly and that's sort of when the the focus was on him especially from more of a uh anglo sense with all the arsenal fans sort of watching him yeah he had a pretty good first half of the season and then struggled to kind of get back in with with the guy with guys like paqueta and kakari keeping him out of the team um, but yeah, this this season he's he's been playing largely off the left, and and yeah, he's been playing really really well. Um, he's getting back into that sort of what I think he lost a little bit. Just maybe it was confidence. I'm not completely sure, but he lost a bit of that movement that in between the lines and then receiving and then being able to to you know try get those shots off um, or try make those passes. I think he's sort of he's got more comfortable with that back in his game now. Um, which has been really, really good to see. And he, he probably is someone who who would be a pretty good um, addition for Arsenal. Um, still, I'm not sure if we'd e- we're even interested. I'm, I hear, not to keep it on an Arsenal thing, I hear we've kind of moved on to Kulisevsky. But but yeah, I think I think it, it's it's a bit of a road back 
for redemption sort of um from our and I do finally think I think I've said it for like two seasons now, but I do think this is now finally his final season here. Um and yeah, I'm not I'm not exactly sure where he goes, but but yeah, I think he's still his his stock is a little bit lower than than the player that's still there. So I'm interested to see where he goes and I'm sure he'll do very well. Yeah, it does seem a little bit lower than it than it has been at previous times, but still he remains one of the the, the stars, so to speak, of, of this team. One of the more identifiable and recognisable players. Some of you may have, may have followed OL's under-19s in, in the youth league in, in previous seasons. They're not in it this year. In their own right, there are still you know exciting young players in, in the youth teams at OL. Uh, one in particular uh, is Mohamed El Arouche, um, who is an exciting attacking player. Now, I'll, I'll be first to admit, I don't know an awful lot about El Arouche. I know he's a name to be aware of. Um, very much in the same way that two and three years ago, Ryan Shecky was a name to be aware of without having seen an awful lot. Um, is is there anything more you can you can give us on, on El Arouche, Alex? Yeah, so it feels a bit lazy, but my first sort of impressions when I watch El Arouche is that he feels a little bit like um, like a you know almost a regen of of Hosom Awar himself. But but I think yeah that may, maybe it's a bit lazy. It's it's just down to the same sort of technique, how he likes to play onto his right foot a lot. Um but yeah I'm very I'm very excited about Al Arush. I'd say he's the most talented player to have not yet made his appearance for the club at a senior level. Um and I think he's maybe even just watching him at youth level, he stands out more to me than guys like Malogasto Malocosto and um and Lukeba, I think so. I'm very excited about him. Um, yeah, just in terms, he generally also plays off the left, similar to um, our most comfortable in the middle. Um, and yeah, I think one of the things I really do like about him, and why I see if let's say Bosch is there in the future, why I see a future in the first team for him is that he's quite a he's quite a hardworking um, little guy. He's quite not too big and kind of small, stockyish almost. Um, but yeah, he puts a lot of pressures. He's got a good sort of sense, at least at youth le- level, of when to when to press a player, which is which is quite nice. I think that's one of the things that maybe Barcacare, a lot of Lyon players coming out of the academy, don't really have that tactical discipline of knowing when to when to press, when not to press, what to do off the ball. I think Shirky, as good as he is on the ball, is an example of that, and that's kind of been a reason why he's been. He he's been more slowly introduced into the first team. I think recently there's been um, there's been some reason to think or there's been some um, encouragement that he's he's kind of coming on board with Bosch's philosophy. But yeah, back to Alarish, I think he's got that already. Um, and yeah, he's what I really like is his stockiness, and he manages to yeah, he can kind of drive forward at the ball and hold off bigger guys before offloading it. So yeah, there's a there's a lot. To re- he's got a lot of the the classic Lyon sort of technical ability and kind of mixed with a a little bit more of like a terrorist type of um, attitude and and physicality to kind of move through. Um, yeah, one final note on him is I really like his sense of passing and when to pass. He he doesn't try overdo it as I think many players of his talent do kind of try to do it at, at youth level. He'll he has a very good sense of when to make the that final pass. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, as I said, I hadn't really seen an awful lot, but it's exactly what we like to hear on this podcast. You know, a player who hasn't made a senior appearance yet, who is um, who is is rated 
as as one of the best, if not the best, in in the youth setup at the moment. So yeah, um, maybe we'll be seeing a little bit more of El Arouche in uh, in in future. He is uh, one of the players who who has uh, an understandably given his name a, a North African link uh, to OL, and and that that is a it's a theme which has been you know quite long running in the club um, over over many many years. You know, lots of players coming through with with North African heritage, uh, Algerian in particular, um, and obviously you know anybody who's familiar with France's colonial past will know that you know lots of African, many of whom were Algerian uh, migrants, did arrive in Lyon. Um, during sort of the, the, the 20th century, with Lyon having been uh, France's third largest city. I think it still might be. Um, and, and, you know, as we see in many densely packed urban areas uh, across Europe, across the world, you know, the socioeconomic conditions um, of sort of the, the social housing um, indirectly produce and develop, you know, a, a street football culture, you know, similar to what we see with the banlieue in, in, in Paris and, and, and similar to sort of, you know, cage football in, in South London. Um, you know, it, it sort of developed amongst migrants, though, that, that street football culture. Um, and I know from people who've, who've lived in France, who've, who've played football in France, you know, just we're talking, you know, five aside kickabout level that, the, the North African players, you know, even the ones who are not professional footballers or attached to a club, just simply play a different type of game altogether. Um, and, you know, they're, they're extremely, extremely talented. And, and for that reason, it's no surprise that there's such a, a rich heritage of that coming through uh, at, um, at OL. And in in the Scouted Football Handbook, Volume Eleven, um, two of our two of our editors, two of our our our, our OGs, uh, Stephen Ganavas and uh, Lou Davies, did uh, sort of a joint piece on um, on on OL and and touched on that that link with 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 the Algerian players uh, or the dual nationals. You know, you've got the likes of Yanis Tafer, Mehdi Zifan, uh, Rashid Ghazal, um, you know, Nabil Fekir, uh, Yassine Benzia, uh, even you know the likes of Karim Benzema. Uh, Fares Baluli, you know, the, the, there has been a historic link between um, between this club and and you know the descendants of migrants, and and it's it's one which is is reflected to this day with you know the likes of El Arouche, you know, Cherki, you know, the, these players have have North African heritage, and and I think it's something which um, certainly should be celebrated because it's an identifiable aspect of of one of the the most successful clubs in in France, and. And, and a migrant group have, have played a, a you know a major part in in the success of that over over the years. Um, in, in terms of sort of like the investment in in the academy, you know, compared to to I mean certainly in England, I, you know, I'm led to believe that the, the the amount of money that gets pumped into the OL academy, whether that be the infrastructure, the actual in terms of recruitment of players, is quite considerable compared to compared to other clubs. Yeah, we pump in ten million a year, I think. Um, and yeah, I think that's just a, just a big part of our dominance. Obviously, I think something I kind of skimmed over when I was speaking about the success of the academy. But but yeah, it's just to kind of com- get a complete sort of control over that region where we do where you do have a lot of those um, Algerian um, links and those players who kind of play that kind of street football you were speaking about um, that we kind of see coming through with guys like Alarouche, Shirky. Awar Kuiri, someone we haven't spoken that much about, but I'm a big fan of. Um, yeah, I think it's it's a big part of of what we do, and maybe also another big part of it is is that these guys are allowed to play with players that are older than them from very very early. I think it's it's what Olus calls his um, his N plus one or year plus one sort of thing. So Shirky was playing for the under 
under 18s, um, even under 23s, or under 20, sorry, under 23s, youth league teams at like 15 years of age. Yeah, it's mental to be doing that. I mean, it, it speaks to the fact that, you know, he's he's already at 18, sort of at the level where you don't wouldn't expect him to develop physically any further, as you said earlier. But yeah, it's... I mean, it shows that if you if you fund something, then likelihood is that it's and it's done in the right way that it'll it'll end up paying dividends. Um, but one of the other things that that you raised uh, to me, sort of off off air, Alex, that that was quite interesting to me at least was was the fact that all are, are sort of aiming to create partnerships with you know sort of I don't want to say local, but sort of like nearby league uh, league de clubs. Um, to you know, to, to be able to create partnerships and to sort of create a, a very loose network of of teams, to, so that those young players that we've been talking about are able to get decent league experience um, at, at league two level in, over the next few years, so that they're they're not going straight from the under nineteen team into to regular first team football at Liga and Europa League level. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's something that we haven't really seen with the the top prospects yet. Guys like Shirky and stuff go straight into the the first team, so I'm not I'm not sure because it's a more new sort of thing that Lyon have been trying to do. So we I don't think we've seen the fruits yet. Guys like Yaya Samara and stuff are more who kind of maybe worth an appearance in the first team, but don't really have a career with us longer term. Are, are more the guys that that seems to be aimed at at the moment. But but yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it could be great to actually have guys like, for example, Guiri actually going back to him. I think we had him just because he was too talented, but Garcia to, to for us to almost think about learning out. But Garcia didn't really want to um, to use him. I think that could have been a much better opportunity for us to have not to have given playing time to to an incredible talent, but not um, yeah, not, and not just you know let him go in the way that we did. That just about wraps things up for this week's episode. Uh, sort of a deep dive on on OL and the scouting uh, and and the young players and and sort of the academy around one of France's more prestigious clubs or or historied clubs. Um, you know, currently thirteenth in Liga, um, but getting through to the knockouts of the Europa League. Peter Boss at the helm, uh, Jean Michel Olas facing a potentially a 10-match ban, but definitely a five-match ban um, from some sort of football operations on match days um, because of comments made about referees. Um, and, you know, the, the likes of Ryan Shirky doing doing a madness on on a, you know, twice on a bi-weekly basis. Um, it's never dull, I think it's fair to say, Alex. Um, <laughs> you know, any, anybody in the UK who, who hasn't managed to, to catch a a Lyon game this season. Um, I, I definitely implore them to do so. There, yeah, we're not particularly them. good, but at least we're, we're fun to watch. So yeah, from I a neutral <laughs> perspective, yeah, I, I've enjoyed watching from sort of a neutral perspective. Um, and and anybody who likes enjoying, you know, youth football, um, you can always guarantee that there will be somebody, definitely somebody, uh, to to keep an eye on in in OL games. Um, but yeah, all that's left to say is, is thank you to, to Alex for coming on. And, and where can people find you? Where can they engage with your work? Where can they they listen to to, to you again on sort of other podcasts and stuff like Football Per Nighty? Oh yeah, so thanks so much for having me on. Um, it's been really, really fun to speak about uh, Lyon football and the players. Um, yeah, in terms of catching me, um, Alex FRCO um, on Twitter and then... Yeah, I've got a new pod sort of started up for Court Football per 90. And yeah, you can catch me there. 
yeah, I definitely recommend uh, getting involved with Alex on Twitter, but also Football Per 90 as well, because, uh, yeah, you can't have too many football podcasts, can you? Uh, but yeah, this has been uh, the Scouted Football Podcast with me, Joe Donahue. Um, stay safe, take care, bye for now. For player profiles, in-depth features and exclusive interviews, visit sfhandbook.com to learn more about the best young football players in the world.